Well, we are Chris and Christina Elledge, together with our three daughters, who at the time were 13, 9, and 5, left our home, which is here in Norman, Oklahoma, to go to Vienna, Austria. By a show of hands, how many are familiar with the movie Sound of Music? Well, that's not where we live. <laughs> Excuse the grammar, but that ain't our Austria. We live in Vienna. It's two million people. It's very urban. We ride subways. We walk a lot. The only time I wear these shoes <laughs> is here. Anyway, all that to say, we're from Vienna, Austria, but Norman is our home. So when we left in 2009, we left, as Roy said, with the International Mission Board, and we served for five years. When we came back, we came back to your mission home, which we thought was going to be a six-month stay, but God had other plans. And during that time, he began to really show us what our passions were. We knew what they were, but is that something he really wanted to develop? So we've always done mentoring. We probably came out of the womb mentoring. I don't know. And we really asked the Lord, is this something you want us to turn into a full-time ministry? And it was. So we left here in 2014. We'd started a nonprofit called Fahrenheit Mentoring. For those of us who may have grown up in the church, mentoring is another word for discipling. It's not a class. It's not a one-time thing. It's a way of life. And so we're, we're going to share what that looks like and what that's all about. So I do want to introduce a group of people. Um, there are groupies. Wherever we go, they follow us around. We can't shake them. But in that corner over there, we have a family we're going to introduce to you later who are, have joined the team with Fahrenheit who will be serving in Portugal. We have my mom and dad. <laughs> They're the biggest fans. We have our children, and we have John Irwin, who's part of the Fahrenheit team. And then we have another member of our family who also serves on the Fahrenheit team, Lori. So they sign autographs. They give away free stuff. Get to know them after the service as well. As I come back and I see faces, I used to work out at the Family Life Center two or three times a week over there, and so I've seen many faces, conversations over working out, but I may not remember some of your names, but we did that for many years as we lived here. I want to pose a question to you, and I'm going to, I'm going to say it twice because your brain probably needs to process this. What if there was a place so safe that the worst of you could be known, and you would discover that you would not be loved less, but more in the telling of it? Let that sink in for a moment. What if there was a place so safe that the worst of you could be known and you would discover that you would not be loved less but more in the telling of it? And I'm okay with a little feedback here. How would that make you feel? Would you like that? Anyone ever experienced that? Have you experienced that with God? If you haven't, you really, if you don't know you have, you really have. God accepts you exactly where you are. He doesn't uh, guilt you or shame you, but he holds you accountable in love. But someone in the earlier service in the choir said, we're supposed to find that in the church. Let me say it again. What if there was a place so safe that the worst of you could be known, and you would discover that you would not be loved less, but more by telling it? You know what kind of freedom that is? Now, how many of you have come to church this morning, whether you greeted someone with a handshake or sat next to them, and you said, I want to tell you about my junk? Have you done that this morning? Well, you, I'm glad you haven't, because 
That's kind of messed up. You don't do it that way. But what we do, we ask, we talk about the weather, we talk about sports, we talk about the economy, we talk about the government, we talk about all these things. And you know what people are dying to talk about? What do you think? Real life stuff. They want to talk about, people want to talk about themselves. They want to process. They want to know, not that we're, I don't think anybody's probably, anyone's probably normal, but we want to know that we're kind of normal, that what we deal with, that other people do too. And so it's so easy to come to church. I've been in church the majority of my life. I've been on staff. I've been overseas with it uh, as, as, a, as a vocation, as, as a, a minister, and been in Bible studies, men's groups, uh, church services. And what I find is that we're around a lot of people, but we've got so much inside of our heads and hearts that need to, to be talked about. And we go, There's, is there anyone to talk about this with? Is there anyone on the planet that I could just be myself? And so what we want to encourage you to think about, number one, you could be a mentor. Don't let the title uh, mess with your mind. It's not a professional thing. Could you be a mentor? Could you be a true friend? Could you be someone who's deliberate, who's authentically going to get involved in another person's life, where they could say, with this person, I can tell them everything. And they don't love me less because of it, but they love me more. I really believe many of us, well, I won't include myself in that anymore. I used to. That we are kind of a bit like islands. We're separated from others. With Fahrenheit, we believe that mentoring is a biblical way of discipling. We believe that mentoring is a way to invest in the lives of others. And we know, I don't just believe this, I know it. Mentoring changes lives. I see it all the time. I see the light bulbs come on. There's something unique that happens between two men or two women. I've had it in cafes before where it's like, imagine you're sitting in a busy cafe and you're sitting across from uh, another person. Let's say if you're a man, you've got a, a mentor across from you or you're the mentor and you're having coffee and you're having real conversations and you're able to put things on the table that you don't talk about it with anyone else and you go but you're in a public setting I've experienced so many moments in a cafe walking along the street working out in the fitness gym um, walking in the grocery store taking a ride with another guy where conversations happen and it's like it becomes a holy place where you go, wow, I've never been able to do this before. I had a conversation with a man from my mother's church recently, and he is 77 years old. You know what he told me? I, I, I came home last year, and I met with him, and uh, I was really drawn to this man because he was assertive with me. And uh, not too many men are assertive, I find. We're either passive or aggressive. But he was assertive with me. I thought, I want to meet with him. So we began to talk. You know what he shared with me? Well, I won't tell you because that's personal. But he shared with me some things, and he said, Chris, I've never shared this with anyone. So when I, I met with him a few days ago, I said, hey, remember our conversation last summer when I was in town? He goes, yes. I said, that was really good. I said, do you know how many people know about that conversation or what was said? He goes, no one. I said, right. I said, why did you tell me that? He said, because I, I knew I could trust you. Trust and, and uh, integrity are critical within mentoring and he told me, Chris, I'm 77 years old. I've never told anyone else in my life those things I've told you. I, I greatly appreciate that. It's a privilege. But guys, I think that's kind of messed up. 77 years old. 
and another man has never had an opportunity or had the courage or had the relationship to say, this is who I am. This is my story. Um, has anyone in this room ever shared your full story with someone else? Ever, anyone ever done that? Not just the good things, because that's not just our story. Has anyone shared uh, your story besides me? Okay, I can see some hands back there. It's kind of bright up here. That's one of the best things you can do is share your story. Because when you share your story, you know what you share? You're honest. You say, well, these are my joys, my hopes, my dreams. These are my struggles. These are my mistakes. These are my sins. And in that relationship, you know, when we begin to mentor someone, we say, shame and guilt are not allowed, but love and accountability are a must. Trust between the two of us. I want to show you a video of a young man that I've been mentoring for about four years, and um, I've seen his life transformed because of mentoring. And he, he'll tell you that. Now, some of his, English is not his mother tongue, okay? So some of the words or phrases he uses may sound a little funny to you. So would you show that for us, please? Oh, hello, my fellow brothers and sisters. What an absolutely gorgeous day it is today. I'm here in Volksgarten in Vienna, in the heart of Austria. And let me tell you a little bit about mentoring. Well, from a theological perspective, it's the closest we, we get to what Jesus did with his disciples. He took care of them, he taught them, and he ordered them to make disciples all the earth. And that's what it is. And that's the closest thing we get with mentoring, I believe. Well, and mentoring for me is... Hmm, it's necessary. It's absolutely necessary. I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be who I am without mentoring. I had no father, no father figure, nobody to to tell me how to adult, how to be a man. But God always provided me with men, with people who are mentors to me. And especially with Chris and Chris Elledge. He's the, the most manly man and the best mentor I can imagine. And I praise God, I thank God for this relationship I have with him. So, yeah, let's praise the Lord for this beautiful day. And hope I see you maybe in eternity. Bye. Now, I actually don't think Philip meant to say, I hope I see you in eternity. <laughs> One of the first questions I asked Philip, I met him at a university event about four and a half years ago, and I, I shared that I do mentoring. I said, if any of you men here are interested in, in just checking out what it is, see me afterwards. He ran after me, gave me his card, said, I want to meet with you. I want to talk with you. And from day one, from the first time we met, it's just, it's just been incredible. Because he, he wanted it so much, and I've learned so much from him. And so now we have a, a, like a father-son relationship. In fact, he asked me, could you mentor me like a father would a son? I thought, wow, that's a whole different level. And yet it's been an incredible blessing. I didn't share it in the first service because I, I, I guess I overlooked it. But, you know, being a mentor, um, you may be a parent right now. Your kids could be at home, or your children could be, could be grown. Do you know how many students, young people are looking for a father figure, even if they have a father at home, some of their fathers may have never had a real conversation with them. I've had numerous men that I, I mentor say, Chris, I have a really good dad, but he's never talked to me like you talk with me. 
He's never asked me these things. I've never been able to put all of my stuff on the table with my dad. Because you know why? Because dad probably didn't know how to do it either. He was never taught that. And so one of the first questions I asked Philip, though, I said, how are you doing? Now, how many of you have asked anyone this morning that question, how are you doing? Anyone asked that this morning? I bet you left off one important word. How are you doing? Really? That one word changes the whole dynamic of that question. How are you doing really? Because if I ask you, how are you doing? I'm okay. I do that all the time. It just kind of pops out. I'm okay. Not great, or I'm, I'm really good. or Well, it's, I'm, I'm struggling a bit. But if you said, how are you doing really? I promise you, even in Austria, it causes these Austrian men to stop and go, wow, you really want to know. One businessman told me, Chris, I've never had anybody ask me that question with that word on it. Really, you really want to know, don't you? I said, I do. I don't want to talk about the weather. I want to talk about real things. About a year and a half ago, uh, there was a, a gentleman by the name of Jacques. He's from the Netherlands, but he lived in Vienna for several years. He's recently moved back to the Netherlands, but he's working as a, a chaplain for a Salvation Army men's facility. And these men are down and out. And I volunteer there about a once a month. And so we met briefly. And he approached me one day and said, Chris, I know in my role, myself as a man, I know what I'm like behind the scenes. And I'm trying to pour into these men who have many issues. I need a mentor. Would you mentor me? And I wasn't for sure that I could or wanted to do it. So we met for coffee. And we sat down, and Jacques was very serious. Looked at me and said, Chris, before we go any further, I have a question for you. Can you handle my junk? And he said it with firmness, like, don't mess with me. In fact, he told me, I came to, he's 54, 55 years old. And he said, when he was in his later 20s, he came to Christ. And he said, I went to church. God had set me free from all this junk I'd battled. He, he was raised in a highly abusive home. His parents should have been arrested and put in prison. I mean, his story is ugly. And he said, I, I, so I come to Christ, and I start sharing what God has brought me through. And you know what he was told? Don't share that stuff. That's ugly. That's in the past. Leave it alone. But do you think it's healthy to actually talk about some of that stuff? It really is. And so maybe if you had one other person who could handle your junk. And so when he asked me that, I thought, what's he going to tell me? Can I, can I handle his, his junk? And it made me nervous. So I, said, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, you can handle his junk. But what you can't handle, I'll take the rest of it. I'll take care of it. God has given us an incredible friendship. I began mentoring him after that. Jacques moved back to the Netherlands, and he's beginning to mentor other men in the Netherlands. God is spreading mentoring through Fahrenheit in ways like that. It greatly encourages me to see how that's taking place. But there was another man that I was mentoring for a while, and it was going well, but then he would go back and forth. You know, he had this struggle, I do too. Or he had this challenge, and waffle back and forth. And it was getting on my nerves. And one day I'm talking to God. I said, God, I think I'm, I'm sick of this. I'm done with him. And God said, really? Well, I'm done with you. You waffle back and forth. Chris, I'm never going to walk away from you, ever. And he, in fact, God held me accountable. He said, unless you will stick with a man, even when it's difficult, do not start a mentoring relationship because you'll do more damage. So imagine someone uh, says to you, you ask someone, could you mentor me, ladies with a lady, men with men, and you're going along and you mess up, and they say, I'm done with you. That would hurt you, wouldn't it? And you would feel maybe like a loser, and you would, 
it's just, it's just ugly. Well, God gave me the image of an old movie, Clint Eastwood movie, called The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Do you remember that movie? Or at least the title? God said, unless you're willing to walk with another man through the good, the bad, and the ugly, do not start it. Because isn't that real life? I think I look pretty nice today. I've got new shoes on. I've got a jacket on, a dress shirt, and I feel pretty good. All right? But you know what? It's been a tough week. Has anyone had a challenge this, this past week that doesn't really show on your face or how you're dressed? Of course you do, because that's real life. When you have a, a mentoring relationship, you can sit down, you can take a walk, you can talk about those things with that person. And it, it's not secrecy, but it's between the two of you. And you can give someone as a Christian, well, this is what God says. Now you say, well, I go, I go to church, I hear God's word every week. I tell you, it's not enough. We are meant to have relationship with God, obviously, through Jesus Christ, but with one another. That's the real church. And I just lost my next thought. What was that? But we are called to come together and to, and to share things. So Jacques tells me, can you handle my junk? And I did. Those holy moments, guys, in cafes, wherever you are, have been incredible for me. Um, you know, there's a difference inviting someone to church. I can invite someone to church, and then I'm kind of finished. That's, I, I got them there. But you know what? It takes time. It takes time investing in the lives of someone else, saying, I want to be your friend. I want to walk with you. I want to, I want to really get to know you. I want to deliberately be involved in your life. We're called to be the church. I want to show a, a video in just a moment of another couple. We began um, mentoring this couple. I met him as a young police officer. Um, I was I, a volunteer uh, as a, a mentor with a Christian police organization. And um, I was enjoying that and seeing some success with it. But I thought, God, there have to be some young police officers who want to make a difference for you in a very difficult culture and a difficult environment as the, uh, the police workforce. But it wasn't happening. I'd look around, and I'm 55 years old, okay? I thought, that's okay, but where are these young guys with, this, with this, uh, this passion to make a difference for Christ in their workplace? And one day, this young man walks in, and he's late for the meeting. I thought, who is this guy? And I thought, God, is this a police officer who's young? So we met after the meeting, and he asked me, Chris, what are you doing here? You're not a police officer? I said, well, I do mentoring with the organization. He goes, I want to talk with you. God put us together. I began mentoring him, and he told me later, Chris, I've been praying for a long time for God to put a mentor in my life. And God has blessed and developed this relationship. So then he's engaged to get married. His fiance meets my wife. The four of us meet. They meet one-on-one. -on -one. He and I meet one-on-one. -on -one. The four of us come together. I want to tell you what's happening with him and, and with his wife. They are impacting young people in their areas. He's impacting the police force, which is a tough thing to do. And he gets reinforcement. He gets encouragement. He gets support through, uh, through the mentoring that I do. Now, I'm going to go back for a moment from before the video. Try to take the word mentoring. If it freaks you out, if it sounds too professional, remove it. But that's what it is. Because you too can be a mentor. Part of our desire and goal with Fahrenheit is to partner with churches and come in and train and teach and support and help you guys realize 
there's someone who needs to know you. Not just wants to, but needs to know you. They need, men, there's a, there's a, a man out there that needs to know you. Ladies, there's a lady there that needs to know you. You need to know someone else. I promise you they're there. You know what? I've, how many times I've asked men in Austria to let me mentor them? Out of all the guys I mentor, I only ask one man. Do you know why? When men start finding out about what this is, and another guy says, this is what's happening in mentoring in my life, other guys want it, other women want it, and they ask you, could we talk about doing this together? So check out the video with Peyton and Lena for a moment. Hey, my name is Peter. I'm 23 years old and I'm an Austrian police officer in the beautiful city of Vienna. Hi, my name is Lena and I'm 21 years old and I study molecular biology at the University of Vienna. We've been married for almost a year now and Chris and Christina have been mentoring us since before the wedding. I met Chris in December 2015 at a meeting of the Austrian Christian Police Association. He told me that he works together with them in order to mentor young police officers. I had already been praying for several years that God would put a mentor in my life. But after meeting Chris, I immediately knew that I wanted him to be my mentor. I sent him a text message the same evening and asked him if he'd be up for the task, and he said yes. Back then, Lena and I had been engaged, so a few months later, I asked Chris if he and Christina would be willing to guide us on our journey. Christina started mentoring Lena, and Chris would mentor me individually, and from time to time, all four of us would get together. For me, mentoring is to profit from an older person's experiences in different situations and to get guidance and to be encouraged by how God has already taken action in a mentor's life. Mentoring has helped us to look at our everyday situations, our struggles and married life from a different point of view and to focus on how God sees us both as individuals and as a couple. I think mentoring is something very important, but unfortunately it has become very rare in our culture nowadays. Especially for us men, it's easy to think that we've got it all figured out and don't need anybody to help us. However, having a mentor doesn't mean that you're weak. It means that you're aware of the challenges and trials you might have to face, and instead of stumbling upon them, you choose to develop a strategy ahead of time. What do you think about that? Having a mentor doesn't mean that you're weak. It means you realize, I've got struggles, I've got challenges, I'm human. I need someone else in my life. Have you ever wondered what the, the conversations with Christ and his disciples would have been like? You think they talked about the weather? I promise you they didn't. They talked about real things that those men needed to hear. And I promise you the men felt comfortable, accepted enough, loved enough to say, Jesus, this is what's going on in my head. Jesus could have said, I know. But they shared it with him. There was such a bond there, I believe, because real conversations were happening. People relate to our struggles and our challenges, don't they? They do. I don't like it that you struggle and that you sin, but if you look and act all perfect, I don't relate to you so well. Because I go back home, I look in the mirror and go, wow, this is a struggle of mine. I can't tell you the number of time, uh, times that young men, older men too, will be talking in our time together and they'll share a struggle with me. We walk through it together, and later I'll get a text in the week and say, man, I did it again. I fell again. I thought this again. You know what I, you know what, what I text them back? Shame on you. No, I don't. I say, thank you for having the courage to be real with me. And I tell them, you know, by the time you sent me the text and said, this is my struggle, Chris, I did it again, or I, man, I don't know how to do this. 
You've already dealt with it with God, I trust, because you had the courage to tell another person. There is such freedom, in, especially, not, not especially, but in men and women's lives when they can, they can get it off their shoulders. God prepares people for us. I want to share with you uh, briefly a story in 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to look at verse 24 in a moment, but 1 Kings chapter 17 is the story of Elijah, man of God. God uh, takes him to the, uh, the widow's house with the, the small boy. They have nothing to eat except a little bit of flour and, and oil to make some bread. The mom was so stressed out, so worn down, there's nothing left. I plan that we will, I will bake this, we will eat it, and then we will what? We'll die. God puts Elijah in her life at the right time. And you know, if you're hungry, if the very basics of, li- if the very basics of life are missing or at their edge, you don't talk about surface stuff, do you? Who talks about a Hawaiian vacation when you're trying to feed your children? It doesn't make sense. We don't do that. I believe real conversations happened between Elijah and this mother and her son. She had incredible need, and she cried out and said, but, but I don't know what to do. And Elijah, he encouraged her. He spoke into her life. You know what God did? The flour and the oil never ended. So she saw a miracle there. But God used Elijah at a time in that woman's life to speak into her life. I believe they were real. They were authentic with one another. No surface conversation. Then later, her son dies. And she cries out to Elijah, Man of God, has my son, is my son gone now because of my sin? And Elijah, he could have said, Well, it's okay. I'll pray for him. What did he do? Do you remember this? He went down, picked up the boy's body, took him upstairs, laid him on the bed, and stretched out over his body three times. I mean, crying out to God. That's involvement, guys. That's involvement. Let me tell you, am I running short? Okay, never mind. I was going to share a story. My wife said no. All right. Get involved in people's lives. It changes you. It changes me. I, a friend asked me a few years ago, Chris, what do you think abundant life is? John 10.10 10 says, I have come that you may have life, and have it to the full, abundantly, right? And I thought, we were both in church our whole life. I said, I need time to process that. Later on, God said, Chris, abundant life is knowing God intimately through Jesus Christ. Having the Holy, knowing you have the Holy Spirit in you, that's a piece of it. And giving away to others. Do you hear me? Having the Holy Spirit living in you vibrantly, you know the Spirit of God is in you, and you communicate with the Holy Spirit every day, and you believe that God works through your life and the lives of others, and you choose to give yourself away. So in verse 24 of chapter 17, so that God brings the young boy back to life. Can you imagine as a mom how you would feel? That you lost your son, and then your child was given back to you? Look at verse 24. Then the woman said to to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is true. Do you think she believed that because Elijah, well, the Bible, he didn't have the Bible in front of him, and said, this is what God says. Do you think, is that how she knew that God was real? How did she know he was real? Because he got intimately involved in her life. And he went after her and her son and supported them and helped them. He chose to be vulnerable with them. 
He did much more than support. He went in there. That's how she knew. Now I know, based on what I've experienced with you, that God is real. And that the words that come from your mouth, they're true. Christine's going to come up and share some stories of mentoring that, that she's uh, experienced with some women. There's, there are so many stories we could share with you. Chris said, mentoring, it's biblical, it's a way to invest in people's lives, and it's a way to change lives. So I want to give you an example of uh, each one of those categories. We had been going to a German-speaking church, and a young girl with blue eyes and blonde hair, very sound of music-ish, came up to us and said, hey, are you guys Americans? And we said, yeah. She said, well, I've been praying that God would give me an American couple, because Americans are very outgoing, to help me with a project that I'm working on. And the project was with university students reaching out to internationals who come to Vienna, and she wanted to do like a six to eight week program of having some cafes and being able to share Christ to these internationals. Well, what she didn't know is that four months prior to that, we had to move out of the apartment that we were living on the north side of town, and God spoke to both of us, and we really felt that we were supposed to live near the university. We had a desire to be near um, university students. And so God gave us an apartment then. And we told God, okay, you gave us the apartment. Now provide the students. So here Maria is asking us if we'd be willing, if we would pray about working with students. And I told her, sweet girl, we don't need to pray about it. That's why we moved here. We know that we're supposed to work with students. So over the course of six to eight weeks, we began to, I began to get to know Maria. Let us say that mentoring is not like a formal come to a counselor, schedule appointment kind of a thing. It's as you go. It's as you eat, as you walk down the street, as you have coffee together, you, you share life together. We'd meet for coffee, and I'd found, found out that she had lost her mom when she was 20 years old. I'd lost my mom in the, when I was in, uh, in my 20s. We were able to share those things in common. Um, personality, we were very similar, and she wanted to really grow in her faith. She had a desire at one point to be married, so we prayed through those kinds of things. But she'd text me when something silly happened on the U-Bahn, which is the subway or whatever. We just began to develop a relationship. Fast forward, when we're here for our 2013 furlough, we're staying in your mission house. She and her soon-to-be husband come and spent 10 days with us, praying with us, talking with us, uh, preparing them for um, marriage. And it's such a wonderful example what the Lord has taught me through people in my life. I've been able to just share what God has done with Maria, and now Maria is doing that with young people as well. So that's a very biblical example. Sometimes you really need to invest. It's not a 10-minute encounter with somebody a few times you know, over a course of a month. When we first got to Austria, obviously we didn't speak German, so we began going to language school. Early on I realized that if I'm going to speak this language, I should probably have somebody to speak it with. And so I, I found a language partner named Sabina. And Sabina and I would meet once a week for, that started like in 2010, we're still meeting. But upon the second meeting, she says to me, you kind of talk like my friend. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, you mentioned God, and you go to church, but it's not a Catholic church. Most of the people in Austria, if they do go to church, it's into a Catholic church. And she said, um, you, the, the things that you say about God is very much like my friend says. And I said, well, what, 
what does your friend say? And she said, well, she says she has personal relationship with Christ. I said, oh, well, she must be a Christ follower. I'm a Christ follower. And she said, oh, yeah, that's what she says. Well, 10 years or however many years, I'm not good at math. You know, we met in 2010, so fast forward to now. She's still not a Christian. But when there's times in her life where she needs answers, she knows that I have the answers, not because I'm all that, but because I know who does have the answers. Again, when we were in your mission house, she emailed me, and she had gone through a major life crisis. She'd been together with her boyfriend for many, many years, and he left her. And she said, I don't know what to do. I said, I don't either, but I know one who can show us what to do together. So she'd never been to the United States of all places. She comes to Norman, Oklahoma for her American experience. (laughs) That's just funny to me. So we went to Walmart, and that was the highlight of our trip. But... She spent time in our home. I'd bring her an Austrian breakfast every morning, which you don't want to eat. It's nasty meat and cheese, and that's another story. But um, we just loved on her, and we talked, you know, in order to have a relationship with a person, you got to have a relationship with God first. And she's still not a Christian. She knows God. She knows that that's available to her. But I'm still investing in her life because I know that one day she's going to know who God is in a very personal way. Finally, you can bring change to somebody's life. You can change somebody's life, you know, in a Walmart conversation. But to really affect change, you got to do it, be committed, be in the relationship for the long haul. Last year, um, a new family came to our city. Um, we have a lot of internationals in our city, and this particular family came from the UK. She and I quickly hit it off. And as we start talking, she begins to open up and share with me about her marriage, um, 20 years of abuse, 20 years of just, that's not a word, that translates in any language. It's just awful. And as she began to share her heartache and um, her concern for her three children, I had the courage to tell her, sweet girl, you know this is not normal. Normal dads, normal husbands do not treat their family this way. Nobody ever told her that. You see, she had grown up in an abusive home as well. She married an abuser. Nobody had the courage to tell her, this is not normal. It's been a long haul. I'm telling you, it's been ugly. Sometimes mentoring means you're in it for the good, the bad, and the really ugly. It also means that sometimes you're not equipped to handle somebody else's junk. And when that happens, you call in other people. That's what I had to do with my friend. We called in some other professionals to give us legal aid, to give us information about child counseling and child welfare. She's still in the middle of a very yucky situation. However, her life has been changed. Her eyes have been opened. One day, she will be out of this abusive situation. But mentoring, when you sign up, it's an investment. It's not a program. It's not a one-time deal. You're investing in people's lives because it's biblical, and you can affect change. After the service, we have a table set up. I don't know what direction that is. There. Um, If you'd like to get information, um, we send out a weekly update called a Monday Moment. We share stories like we've shared today. Um, You can can go to our website. 
One thing that God is also doing is we've always, from day one, which was three years ago, had a vision for mentoring happening globally, all over the world, in Norman, Oklahoma, and Vienna, Austria, and Portugal, and God's doing that. There's a family here. They have information at the table as well, Michael and Christy Garrick and their four children. They'll be heading to Portugal August 15th and they build ministry through mentoring. So you can meet them at the table afterwards. John, our Fahrenheit colleague, will be out there too, as well. Um, we cannot say enough about mentoring. It's our passion, it's our heart, it's our life. We're products of mentoring. We've seen people's lives changed by mentoring. So, that's it. I also want to say that mentoring should be happening in your church. I ask you to be thinking about men, what other man is in this church I need to go after? I need to be assertive with and go after. Ladies, the same for you. But you know what? It could be outside your church as well. It has for us. Don't stress if they're not Baptist, if they're not Catholic, if they're not Lutheran, whatever. We mentor all of those in Austria, all right? Do you want to be considered a number or a project? You don't? No one does. And so, don't worry about the labels. When you sit down with another man, ladies, with another woman, and real conversations happen, those things start falling away, and you, the person feels honored and respected and loved on, and something amazing happens. The Holy Spirit between two people, as I said earlier, it's incredible what, what can happen there. I spoke with your pastor a few weeks ago, and uh, part of our desire as Fahrenheit is to partner with churches. And... Have, have brainstorming sessions, how mentoring, if it's not happening in your church, could begin happening. We want to help train and lead and encourage. I'm in Oklahoma until August 15th. Uh, men, I would love to meet with any, any of you who said, hey, I'd like to have coffee with you. Can we talk about this and just brainstorm with me? What could this look like? Uh, so keep that in mind. And don't be timid with us. Um, uh, you can take our cards, email me, but we love talking about it. You know why? Because mentoring based on the Holy Spirit of God changes lives. It, changed, it has changed mine. So, and I'm honestly, you don't know this, but I'm probably the last person that would be, should be mentoring based on how I began. Okay? Pitiful little Chris Elledge over here. How's that going to work out? God's a God of miracles. So, why don't you stand with us and um, ask you, you guys, you guys come up and do a song? Is that right? Yeah, please.